Hello and welcome to Our Three Cents, a podcast celebrating the finest video games of the last 30 years. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by my childhood friend Chris Dow. Good evening. And my adulthood chum Minty Booth. Hello everyone. And we are discussing our all-time top 100 video games. This week we have our number 86s. 86. Yeah. The year I was born. Oh, happy birthday. That is how it works. Thank you. Uh, but before we crack on to the rankings, it's time for the quiz. Yes. Oh. Which perfect palindromic date was the Elder Scrolls Skyrim released? 11-11-11. Wow. <laughs> Bloody hell. Well done, Minty. There we go. 7-6 in the quiz. So, chaps, what have your video game weeks consisted of? Should we talk about the... Uh, the, the, the biggest news that's happened in the last week, which was the Pokemon Direct. Oh, yeah. Thoughts? Pokemon Sword and Shield. I mean, I, I can't say I was underwhelmed, because, no. but I, I was I was thoroughly whelmed, for it was exactly <laughs> what I it expected. Was, yes. The three starters look fine. Sobble looks adorable. It's absolutely going to be Sobble. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. I must say that I'm a bit disappointed to see... Uh, what looks like the return of random encounters with Pokemon. Yes. Um, because I thought that the encountering wild Pokemon and the new catch mechanics in Let's Go was a huge step forward for the series. One that I initially scoffed at. You know, I talked a few episodes back about how wonderful it was to see Pokemon in the wild. How vibrant and life-filled yeah, it, was it made the stunning, world. Stunning. Absolutely mm. wonderful. And I, I just think it's a real shame. It's a real step, well, step backwards. But... You know, that was just the first footage, because thinking about it, if they'd have showed wild Pokemon in this new region, then they probably would have revealed a whole bunch more new ones. That's a pretty good point, actually. I did have a scour through the video, and I don't think there are any new ones apart from the three. No, I'm quite happy with what me and you have agreed to do, Minty, which is do our absolute best to avoid any further information about either of the games. Yep. I pre-ordered Pokemon Sword. The only bit of news that I'm willing to accept is a text from Game saying, it's in stock, you have 48 hours. <laughs> and that's all I care about hearing for the next eight months. It's told me, isn't it? Which are you going for? Which did you decide? I'm going for Gauntlet. The, the, the third entry. <laughs> I'm going for Vambrace. <laughs> I'm, I'm going for Pokemon Chainmail. <laughs> I'm going for Pokemon Horbuck. <laughs> so what have you been playing this week? In a development from last week where I was playing Game Boy Color games emulated on my phone, I've stepped up a little and I'm now playing Super Nintendo games on a Raspberry Pi. Ooh. So I am about halfway through my very first Link to the Past randomised run. How does that work? You know in Zelda where you get things in boxes? Yeah. And sometimes the boxes are locked. I think they're called chests. Instead of in the first dungeon, you always are getting the bow. Yeah. You might get 20 rupees. And then somewhere else in the world, there will be a, a treasure chest, which might usually have some bombs in it. Yeah. And it would have the bow. Okay. And obviously it's set up so that you can... Like complete the game. Oh yes, yes. It's not just like you've got to get out of this room. There's one chest with a key in it, and it hasn't. It's got like a fish in it, and then you're like, "Well, mm. let's restart." Yes, that's yes. some good gaming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris, what have you been playing this week? 
I have played through uh, all of the original Portal again in hey. preparation to actually oh. play Portal 2, which I bought on uh, your recommendation last week. Oh. And I've also been playing, which I put on our Facebook group, the recently translated DS version of Nino Kuni. Ah, the, yes. Um, Level 5 and Studio Ghibli RPG. Wonderful. Which the DS version now came out about a decade ago. Yeah. And a tireless group of fan translators have finally got through the project at kind of the tail end of last year. And it's it's like a professional release. It's it's fantastic. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Really? It's been really nice because I, I played it through on the PS3 uh, whenever that came out kind of several years ago now. Yeah. But always wanted to see what was kind of different about the DS version. And it's a lot of like small changes like it being uh, turn-based combat as opposed to kind of like an active battle. Um, it's the the story moves in slightly different directions, but other than that, the, the kind of feeling of it, the whole sort of like Ghibli polish that was in the original, is still there. Oh, wonderful. My loose plan is to try and beat the DS one eventually. However long it's going to take me to get through a forty hour RPG, to then start the second one, which I've had on my shelf for the PS4 for quite a while now. As for myself, I have been having a fantastic uh, week playing on Dead Cells. Oh, are you up to like 7,000 hours now? This feels like the type of game you would devote a sizable chunk of time to. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of it. I've played a lot of it. (laughs) And it is, it's extraordinary. For people who don't know, it is a perfect cross between Dark Souls, Metroid, Castlevania, Metroidvania, and Binding of Isaac. It's a roguelike, side-scrolling action game. I, I can't speak highly enough of it because it is absolutely phenomenal. The combat system and the movement is so well done that even if you've got a really rubbish build, it's still really fun to play, which is something that can't be said for The Binding of Isaac. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and it's one of those games where... So since we started this podcast, there's a f- quite a few games that I've played that I think would be in my top 100 if I were to do it again. But this is the first time I've played a game that's made me want to lower something else that's already in my list. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's a great example of just how well done a roguelike can be done. It is exquisitely balanced. Like I said, it's always fun to play. It's incredibly challenging, but never unfair. Amazing music, great gameplay, and it's probably the most fun I've had playing a game in a, in a long time. I just, at the moment, I can't imagine tearing myself away from it. Um, it's, it's how I felt when I first got into Binding of Isaac and six, seven, eight hundred hours and three platforms later, I, I, I still <laughs> happily played Binding of Isaac and I can see myself going exactly the same way with Dead Cells. So if you haven't played it, do, because it is amazing. So let's get on with the rankings so I can get back to playing Dead Cells. Yes, I've got to go home and find the Titan mitt so I can get the fire rod. Are you also going to play Zelda? Yes. Starting this week, we have Chris Dale. Please, can you tell us what your 86th favourite video game is? My 86th favourite video game is, I think, going to be a controversial one. Ooh. I'm ready to bloviate. I wouldn't have thought either of you have this on your list. I I could be totally wrong, but I I think it's going to be not on your list and probably unlikely on any list, (laughs) but not, not for the same reason that you said like Jurassic Park or on the Game Boy or something like that wouldn't make it on most people's, you know, top hundred. Yeah. Just because it's, it's a game that's picked up a lot of, I don't know, like negative feeling over the years. 
but Ooh. I still really, really love it. This is uh, Angry Birds. Hey! Oh. And it's partly Angry Birds that I played on mobile, but more specifically, it got a console and handheld release called uh, Angry Birds Trilogy, and that collected about 40 billion stages worth of Angry Birds into one disc or cartridge. Yeah. Uh, and that's where most of my time went on this particular game. Angry Birds is one of those games, I think, that because it was at the forefront of the sort of the, the mobile gaming thing, like the big boom on iOS in particular, loads of people were playing it at the time. It became like a real, I don't know, like the mainstream sort of poster child for what mobile gaming was in that time period. Yeah, it was a real craze, a real a real proper 90s style craze. Yeah, it was like pogs. Yeah, yeah, that every, everyone had it, whether they kind of, you know, played games or not. It seems that if you had a smartphone, you, you had, had Angry Birds. Birds. It was, it was mm. just how it was. During that time, I was quite late because I had a Windows phone because I was really cool and I, I couldn't afford uh, an iPhone or a decent Android device. So I had a um, HTC something or other that was a, a Windows device, like a, a Microsoft branded one. And Angry Birds came to that several years later than everything else. But e- even so, like after that kind of initial wave had kind of crested, I played it a lot. And I remember going on um, like a holiday with my brother when I first graduated from university we went away to like a, a Greek island for a week, essentially just to drink and have a big old party. And we would go out in the evenings and then the whole day sit by the pool and play Angry Birds. Amazing. Just s- swapping between each other to essentially like beat a level, move on, other person beats a level and, and vice versa. It was one of those real pioneers that popularised the idea of having like simple stages where you would get a ranking in order to try and push you to replay them to get a better ranking kind of thing. And eventually, after kind of like a couple of years on the market, they added in in app purchases to kind of like speed up that progress or, or give you other kind of buffs that would would help you beat a level. But playing it just purely as a like a physics based game that you could tangibly understand how things worked because it you know it followed its own kind of rules. I, I really really love that idea of being like okay, well I've, I've got one star, but I can get two, and then when you get two, saying I've got two stars, I can get three. And I found that whole process really, really addictive. And still now, like, I, I play it with Tom, my brother, occasionally. Like, I've, I've got, I think the Wii U release is the one I've got in my collection now. And just the idea that we can sit down for an hour or two, play a whole bunch of levels and, and still just, like, swap the pad back and forth. I find it really, really fun. And it's it's not a deep game in terms of, you know, we, we talk about lore being very, very important. <laughs> Angry Birds has <laughs> surface level lore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. They managed to make a movie about it. Well, bloody hell. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah they did there was a time when in the entire world coca-cola is the number one selling soft drink in every country pretty much yeah except for in scotland it's been iron brew consistently for for god knows how many years now and i think rovio the company that makes angry birds i think they're finnish and there was a, a few years where coke was dethroned in finland for angry birds branded cola that's insane uh, just because it was such a like you know a behemoth like a total yeah. juggernaut that it, it would just grind along until there was nothing left. <laughs> in the same way that in the stages, you're, you're flinging birds at a little castle until there is nothing left. Lovely. I absolutely <coughs> love Angry Birds. It's not, in my, it's not in my top 100, <laughs> but I reckon I've put more hours into Angry Birds than I have done in 50% of the games that are in my top 100 list. <laughs> and I, I had 
a folder on my iPhone with just just Angry Birds games in. You know, again, it's an example of something very simple done very well. Yeah. I remember the first time that I saw any type of physics in a game, and it's incredibly satisfying. And Angry Birds, likewise, there's something lovely about spotting where the structural weakness will be and hitting it and everything then cascading down exactly as it would do in real life if you were to throw birds before swine yes <laughs> <laughs> when this got its its trilogy release obviously i've been playing on my phone for for x amount of years before that i was working in my job i used to do when i was in uh, social care so I, I finished a shift one night at 10 p.m my brother had picked me up from work and then we'd driven to the supermarket to like get snacks or something and then seen angry birds on the shelf and was like, oh we'll pick that up and have a play as well and then we played it through to like two, three in the morning. Wonderful. And that was when I had to get up again at five <laughs> to go back to work. And it, it's all because the way that Tom decided we were going to play this game, because of the way we, we got into this kind of three-star ranking thing, if you started a level, you were not allowed to stop playing until you got three stars. That's the rule. And every time we got to the point where it would finish... He would just immediately start another level and then just say boldly, I've started, so I'll finish. <laughs> <laughs> and that obviously went on until, you know, God knows what time in, in, in the middle of the morning. I bought an iPod Touch just to play Angry Birds. Excellent. This has actually gone from what I thought might be a bit of a, a controversial one to everyone just showering it with praise. I did sort of take a step back when they started bringing out um, such things as pencils and t-shirts mm. um, that was when I thought okay I don't think I like it that much <laughs> <laughs> when they changed the model of it to be more microtransaction led mm. uh, like we've said before the balance is so so hard to get right that it totally killed it for me because I got Angry yeah. Birds 2, which again has an energy system. And one of the lovely things about Angry Birds is the fact that you could just keep playing the same level over and over and over and over and over. And I don't, I mean, that's an absolute gift for for somebody making a game to go, yep, yeah, one level, play it a hundred times. Oh yeah, people are still having fun. To then have, oh yeah, I can play five levels and then I won't play it. I've got to wait like six hours to play another yeah. five levels. It's just, it totally goes against what made yeah. it fun well there we have it angry birds trilogy moving on minty over to you my 86 game this week is a first in our list another one but it's a first in this particular i think fairly niche category and you'll find out when i say what that category is it's the first game i think any of us have bought and then got home to realize that you've been sold a display box with no game in it that's that's what happened to me I bought, right. I, I bought the game, I bought, it, I bought it home and I was like, oh, there's no game in here. I took it back and I was like, I've just, I just bought this off you and there's no, I think it's a display box. And uh, the guy behind the counter said to the manager, this poor sod's been sold a display box. <laughs> and I, 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 I got the game and then went home and um, enjoyed it despite that hour and a half, which I didn't have it. And seeing as how Anthem has been released to near-universal indifference this past <laughs> week. I thought it'd be good to chat about this game, which was made back when Bioware were still making good games. Ooh. Dragon Age Origins had a bold, and I remember he was bold, facsimile of yours truly, wandering around with some sexy friends trying to save the world from the blight. I'm really terrible for like really delving deep into books and things in games, so when I was researching this game, uh, because... Surprise, surprise, I haven't played it in about 10 years. 
the reason I'm so hazy on the undoubtedly rich and succulent lore that made this game not only a very strong RPG, but also a noteworthily fleshed out world for your Grey Warden to explore, uh, was the fact that I just did not engage with that, uh, that side of the game. Like, it's the same in Skyrim. Like, I only ever pick up books to get skill points. Sure, yeah. And that's to my detriment because I'm sure there's lots of uh, fun things in them which people have written to flesh out the world of Tamriel, etc, etc. But I just don't engage with that. Back to Dragon Age. Uh, I, I remember completing the main story and vanquishing the Archdemon. Or maybe not, because I think there was a sequel? Yeah, there, there, was, there was a sequel and then a further sequel on a current generation platforms now so i beat the main story but i don't think i managed to beat the secret boss or sleep with anyone so <laughs> i guess i didn't really complete a bioware game at all yeah <laughs> so what, what, what stood out for me at the time was the fact that you could lose party members permanently i remember i remember pissing off alistair uh the other gray warden him just him just buggering off and i was like well okay that's that i guess uh oh and just being really disappointed in myself. So there we go. Dragon Age Origins, solid RPG that I didn't appreciate fully because I'm an idiot who can't handle lore scattered around in collectibles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've all been there. It's not that it destroyed it, it's just I didn't engage with it because if I wanted to read a book, I'd read a book. I think that's a valid criticism, to be honest. <laughs> if instead of just the book like appearing on the screen and instead it was like a cutscene of your character just sort of leafing through it and maybe the text comes up on the screen and that sort of like... Like a, like a cloud. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like a cloud. I know what a cloud is. Yeah. Well, imagine <laughs> a cloud I'm but like in the room and mm -hmm. instead of a cloud, it's words. Do you know what I mean? This is a vivid painting. And instead of rain, it's feelings. Yes. <laughs> and instead of maybe, I don't know, Michael Fish standing <laughs> in front of uh, a picture of the UK, it's yeah. you reading a book. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like you're just describing reading a book in the garden. But somebody, but you're watching yourself do it. So reading a book, but at the same time astrally projecting above yourself to watch That's yourself. That's it, yes, astrally projecting yourself. So once they figure out astral projection in life, <laughs> then <laughs> we can sign you up for whatever that may hold. Yeah. And then use that as the basis for making slightly more engaging cutscenes when it comes to engaging with lore in video games. That would games. be the best use, I think, yeah. Any of our listeners, if you fancy signing my change.org petition to send to uh, <laughs> Bethsaida, Bioware, Nintendo, HAL Labs, etc., just tweet me. Just tweet me. At Minty Booth. <laughs> send me a tweet. Although he might not read it because, as we've established, Minty is not a lover of reading things <laughs> in a virtual context. Yes. <laughs> so unless, unless you can have that tweet flown to him in the form of a cloud. <laughs> tweet it to my wife and ask her to handwrite it and pass it to me in a note. Wow. So I think we're moving on. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. Ooh. Lastly... We have my game. I had a bit of a tough time with this one because I couldn't decide which iteration of the game to put in. As this game has had many iterations, they all work pretty much exactly the same. It's just over time they've got more and more polished. 
but I decided to go for the particular version of this game that I had the the most sort of fulfilling experience with. The game I'm talking about is Counter Strike Condition Zero. Oh, okay. I I literally don't even know what version that is. <laughs> so I think Condition Zero was the slightly revised version, sort of the slightly refined version uh, that came out after the original Counter Strike. Uh, okay. So it was still made on the original Half-Life engine. So it was before it moved to Source. Yes, because I played a lot of Counter-Strike Source online, um, but I, I never had as good a time playing Counter-Strike Source online as I did playing Counter-Strike Condition Zero locally with uh, a couple of friends of mine when, when we were kids. So Counter-Strike, for people who don't know what it is, it is a typically online multiplayer game built on the Half-Life engine or later iterations on the, the Source engine where you have two teams, terrorists, counter-terrorists, and you each have different objectives. As the terrorists, you need to successfully plant and detonate a bomb. As the counter-terrorists, you have to defuse the bomb or save the hostages. And it's exactly as you would imagine a first-person shooter game to be. You've got guns and grenades, and uh, you know the real fun is in trying to work together as a team. Obviously, if you're doing it online with a headset, or if you're doing it old-school LAN party style, then obviously communicating with your with your friends and your teammates. And uh, yeah, and you just rinse and repeat. And games last for about anywhere between three minutes and ten minutes. And yeah, gradually. Your ranking goes up, but your, you know, your, your sense of fun and accomplishment also goes up. So one of the things I never liked about playing games online is the fact that you lack that interpersonal communication. When you can't see the other person, when you don't know who the other person is, then it loses something for me, multiplayer gaming. Uh, and one of the lovely things about playing Counter-Strike locally was because it was so old the the setup we had we had there was three pcs in in my friend's house and two of them were in the same room and the other one was upstairs and we didn't have headsets or anything like that so we just had to shout up the stairs <laughs> <laughs> to be like he's coming out of the barn <laughs> Throw a grenade! fortunately you know my friend lived on quite a secluded estate otherwise the neighbors probably would have called the police but there was something so fun about working together, having to communicate and come up with a strategy and enacting that and, it, and pulling it off and having an experience playing the game that we wouldn't have playing it on our own online, um, you know. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Counter-Strike is really quite a phenomenon in the fact that it, it basically has not changed. No. The actual game has not changed at all since its first iteration. So I've got Counter-Strike Global Offensive and played a fair amount of that and it was great. Oh, I was rubbish online. I think that if I, if you know, land parties were still a thing, that I would have a great time playing that. I think it'd be really, really fun. But you know, obviously, modern gaming isn't set up like that anymore, which I think is a shame. Mm. Um, it was a real sort of magical time to be a PC gamer. Yeah, we had a great time finding ridiculous maps online, downloading them and playing them. Maps that were sort of built around. All kinds of things. I think there was a Simpsons one where you go around Springfield. And there was a really good Die Hard one. So, yes, Counter-Strike, Condition Zero. I said I had a fantastic time playing it. It really was a, a computer gaming experience that I haven't had replicated in any form since. Uh, not with 
any other games or future games in the uh, Counter-Strike series. But um, yeah, it'll always hold a special place in my heart. And I'm no longer really in touch with uh, with Matt and Joel, who I used to play with. But I, I, th- I think of them fondly and wish them well. But one day, we may well reunite. We will see each other maybe across a park in our old age. Our eyesight failing, but we can just about make out the silhouette of a familiar figure. As we quietly say, counter-terrorists win. So those are our number 86 favourite video games of all time. I hope that you have enjoyed listening to us mining these memories out as much as we have enjoyed recounting them to each other. If you enjoyed this episode, please do like it. Give us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Share it amongst your friends. You can find us on Facebook now. We have our own Facebook page, Our Three Cents, where you can find us and get involved in the conversations that we have going on there about all kinds of video gaming things. You can also reach out to us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Chaz underscore Hodges. Minty Booth. And please do join us again next week for our 85s. Mini boss level. 